And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And tame, and tame again. Break up the music! Charge a glass! This nation is going to dance all night! The language of Premier League fixtures day. Where does biting really sit in the hierarchy of things done to a fellow professional? Has Patrick Schick breathed new life into the genre of halfway line goals? What actually is the simplest of tasks? And the Gary Neville budget punditry package. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this... It's football cliches. Right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for a special price of £1 a month for six months. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all of our podcasts. So go to theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod to take advantage of this special discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 75 of the Football Clichés podcast. I'm Adam Hurry and with me, first of all, Charlie Eccleshare. Now, we've seen everyone play once, Charlie. So, from the perspective of a purely football feast, it's all downhill from here, isn't it? I mean, that the first round of matches is essentially where it's all at, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, although often you get the the first one, they're still kind of feeling their way in a bit. Some, And then by the third group game, you've got some teams are already through, some teams are out, so we've got dead rubbers. Simultaneous, Simultaneous kickoffs, kick exactly. Good. I think the sweet spot, the sweet spot, and then obviously once you're in the Euro, the knockouts, it's you know, it, it can be you know mm. pretty pretty uh, turgid defensive. So the sweet spot often is the second group game. So we may still have the best to come. Okay, okay. Yeah, it just felt like the the facade of Euro 2020 falling away as the, as the first two pm kickoff disappeared. And then I thought, this is it. The, the the theoretical enjoyment of this tournament is over and the real stuff, annoyingly, has to begin. Um, alongside you, Nick Miller. How's your circular wall chart working out, mate? Oh, it's well, I, I mean, I haven't... You must have done a lap by now. Well, I haven't. I, 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 on, on principle, I haven't been filling it in. Good, no. <laughs> okay. No, no, it's, it's, it's a, you know, disgusting rejection of the form and I won't have it. But yeah, I can, I can yeah, only right. imagine it would be an absolute nightmare. You just got it lying around, constantly annoying you. Yeah, it's, I think it's in a it's in a bag somewhere. Yeah. Good, good. Um, well, before we get into Euro twenty twenty matters, um, rather overshadowed by this irregularly scheduled tournament, are the announcement of the Premier League fixtures, Charlie. A huge day in the, in the football calendar, a relentlessly um, consistent day of football content. There's there's no new way to approach the release of the Premier League fixtures. I've never talked about it on a podcast before. I actually don't know how much I'm allowed to talk about the Premier League fixtures 
until the dark forces of Football Data Co come knocking on my door and with their lawyers. I don't literally don't know how much I'm allowed to say out loud. Why are they so precious? Football Data Co own the fixtures. And apparently, if you publish them without their permission, they get really annoyed. But to me, it's just, that's just a list of games and teams. How can that possibly be someone's property? Apparently, yeah, they, they sue your ass off if, really? you, uh, if you list them in too much detail. Nick's nodding. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's a, it is a very strange, strange concept. I, I've just finished editing a book and I had to check that I was allowed to publish league tables. These kind of, you know publicly available pieces of information and it was fine but because after having been spooked by this idea of um you know having to check with de- the, the you know the great keepers of the calendar that you're allowed to publish fiction lists i had to check whether you was allowed to publish the league tables as well that's so weird well, i mean yeah it is it is really odd i mean i mean i guess a lot of work goes into it maybe that's what they're so precious about but i wonder Charlie, if if um, their stranglehold over the way we express football fixtures um, should perhaps extend to some of the other traditions. I mean, whenever you read an article about the Premier League fixtures being announced, the order in which they tell you the kind of highlights of the fixtures is absolutely set in stone. What must you know first? What is the first thing you must find out? Who the champions are playing, who they'll begin their title defence against. Yeah. Open yeah, their title defence against. And, absolutely. And who the promoted teams are yes, playing. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. huge. With, with preference going to the team who were in the Premier League for the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they'll like, begin their Premier League journey with... Uh, <laughs> begin yeah, life. Begin life in the Premier League. Begin life in the Premier League. Is it life back in the Championship that's the main life? That's Well, that's also a big one, yeah. Life but, but there's also... I know from having written, and I'm sure you've had this as well, both of you, like... When you have to do write a summary, you do su- you suddenly become very aware of all the synonyms for trip, host, visit. Oh my god! Because you're rifling through Tra- them very quickly. Because you can't keep. They play them at home. They play them at home. It's it's a it's really good for that. Well, let's talk about it, shall we? I mean, I'm amazed that Football Data Co haven't um, taken intellectual um, financial ownership of this as well. Um, Nick, I mean. Y- start on the kind of top level you're i mean you you cannot say the word play anymore you must use um the generic terms face or take on come up against as one as well that's yeah oh yeah yeah come up against travel to they're your kind of yeah well that that they're your venue specific then you get to kind of venue specific level of proceedings home games your host (laughs) play host two which is which i mean is is a phrase that we use constantly which is just, again ridiculous play, uh, play host to come in set yourself down <laughs> mikasa resu kasa uh, entertain yeah. welcome there's yeah what's the other face off against the sort of the, the extension of just face oh i don't think i like face oh it's off totally against. ludicrous but i think if you're if you if you're at the sort of 12th kind of elegant <laughs> variation of play nick talk me through the um, the away game synonyms then yeah so we've got travel to face a trip to face face a trip is is either i think uh either a long journey or a, a you know a tough or liverpool away or something yeah uh, or plymouth in the fa yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh what else have we got visit. yeah visit. visit yeah make the short journey to is also <laughs> they'll begin yes. their title defense like with a short journey to insert team name yeah very very good indeed clash should be used sparingly showdown even more so um, but yeah i'm not convinced by face off charlie no I'm not going to welcome that into the uk fixture lexicon just yet i don't think Thanks. yeah I, I don't think showdown is really an, an opening like, like the fixtures are announced showdown is reserved for further on in the season surely 
Yeah, more business endy, isn't mm. it? Yeah, Teams will also face an early test of their title credentials. You know, with, mm. with, with that kind of... That could even be a trip to the defending champions or maybe it's more a kind of, I don't know, a slightly more awkward-looking fixture that the sort of games you need to yeah. win if, if you want to challenge for the title. Picking out presumptive potential title deciders as well. But yeah, but yeah, huge day for elegant variation. Um, but and a shame it's been buried in the midst of uh, a fairly entertaining tournament. Speaking of which, Nick, France versus Germany, a thoroughly good football game on Tuesday night. But it was overshadowed by one of the more increasingly tedious mini phenomena of modern football, which is the bite, which is kind of like the moral panic. And and no one's really ever sure where they stand on biting. I mean, it, I mean, it's it's clearly abhorrent. It's abhorrent behaviour, but we're never really sure, you know, how to. Yeah, look I, it at. F- feels like it ranks just below spitting in in the worst things yeah. you can do on a football pitch, isn't it? Well, that's what I was going to ask, yeah. Charlie. Where does it sit in the hierarchy of acceptable things to do to a fellow professional? Oh yeah, it's definitely fighting. well. Also, I mean, isn't for a lot of people, wouldn't diving and that sort of thing be worse because that's sort of cheating your fe- fellow professional? For, uh, you know, that yeah, that's worse yeah. almost than kind of physical harm to, in some people's eyes yeah definitely not as def- but you wouldn't rather have a broken leg than someone bite you i mean it's 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 up it's yeah, 50, 50, I'm not sure. yeah i mean that that's the thing isn't it it's, def- it's definitely not as bad as spitting but you're right there is a confusion because uh, you know we like to um sort of condemn things as being cowardly and that sort of thing which i suppose biting is but there is a a weirdness to it that does leave people a bit flummox and that was definitely the case wasn't it in itv's um half-time analysis of the incident i think ian wright said he was like just a bit sort of confused by the whole thing yeah i think nick i think part of this moral panic is is no one can really understand why why a human being would do that is i think that's part of it isn't it it's just the inexplicable nature of it yeah it just feels like the sort of thing a a, a, a truculent child would do at a nursery and then get thrown Mm. out for it there was also a, a, a sort of part of this is the kind of internal discussion of did he act, did he bite him mm. did he did he you know <laughs> did did everything slowed contact? down and it, yeah even last night I can't remember who said it but they slowed the the footage uh, down so much that they someone said well he didn't Pogba didn't react mm. to it but it was only because the the, the, the slow motion replay was so slow. The, the, yeah. the Pogba reacting. Oh yeah, if you look at it in slow motion, it's always exactly. going to look worse, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. <laughs> it's the the, the 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 kind of ultimate extension of this kind of slow motion replays in in 4K or whatever are killing the game because there was a, there was a lag between what appeared to be the bite and Pogba reacting, which in real time you've got, would have been instant. Yeah, you got you got to freeze the frame on the moment exactly. that he makes contact with the yeah with the with the bite. But I mean. Charlie, I mean, it, I mean, I guess it's about time in the evolution of this phenomenon that we perhaps examine technique here because Rudiger picked a picked a, a suboptimal part of the body to try and bite, and then when you factor in the lack of friction on on a polyester shirt, you're not going to get any purchase there. So it's probably lucky for him that he chose the back of the shoulder blade because you never maybe, get maybe that was there. part of it. He did he didn't want to get too much purchase. He thought that might. Uh... That might count against him, but yeah, I mean, it is something that will run and run, and hope. But hopefully, hope, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, this won't become a kind of you know Euro twenty twenty will be ah the biting tournament. I always want something that will run and run, and uh, and that may well be it. Um, but Nick, on more constructive matters, uh, we may well have seen the goal of the tournament. Uh, we may later discuss whether it's the best European Championship goal ever. Uh, I have a few grumbles about this. But first of all, Patrick Schick's goal at Hampden Park against Scotland. 
Has this breathed new life into the halfway line goal genre, which to me was flagging a while ago? Yeah, it's the fade on it that's and the curl. That's the it, mm. it looked like a um, it looked like a golf drive almost more than a yeah. than a, a football shot. And it did a little tracking. Thing, yeah, yeah, didn't yeah. It, it, and yeah. I don't know. It's it seemed like the, well, one of the things I liked about it is that you, you we got the the standard. Uh, Post match, I'd seen him off his line earlier on in the game, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I thought, you know, he was coming out a bit too far. So I thought, if I had the chance, I'd give it a go, kind of thing, which was, mm. was always very enjoyable. But yeah, it's it's a slightly—I don't think I've ever seen. We've we've all seen, you know, players spotting keeper off the line, pinging one in from the center circle or whatever. But I don't think I've ever seen one that sort of curls, kind of curls around and then over the goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the goalkeeper, Charlie, um, it, the the backpedalling goalkeeper to me, I, maybe it's my twisted enjoyment of football, but that's my favourite part of it. With the um, we've spoken about this on the podcast before about that moment a goalkeeper realises where he is and how much trouble he's in, and you can and I think the even many and. Bits of analysis of this goal have spotted the fact that Schick looked up and they made eye contact, yeah. <laughs> which is so good. You're fucked. You're fucked. Yeah, it's amazing. That does that. I mean, the only thing with that is it does give it... I mean, it's brilliant to watch, but it gives it a slightly cartoony quality, uh, which <laughs> I think what makes this a really special halfway line goal, and like you say, it, it does breathe new life into the genres, often they can seem so freakish and weird and a bit like a keeper's yeah. gone up at the end of the game and then it's just like, yeah. it's, a, it's a bit of a novelty. What's special about yeah. this, and it reminded me a bit of the Jabi Alonso one, not against Luton, but against Newcastle, was that it was okay. kind of... I didn't, it was more just in normal play to be doing that and, and to spot it. And and also, mm. I'm sure this won't happen, but there was even talk of it like heralding a new era of these sort of goals because modern day keepers, they have to be so far off their line. You know, they, they, we want <laughs> them to sweep keep. So it's almost yeah. like, mm. you know, I think this will almost become the norm. I'm sure it won't. I'm sure it was. it will end up being a freaky goal, but it, it it's kind of, it's as if it wasn't, that it's, um, yeah, the sign of, of things to come that he's kind of football in a way. Uh, no, we're definitely onto something here, Nick, because um, there was obviously an element of calculation about this goal. And and whilst I refute the fact that it was a lob, it was not a lob, the ball wasn't bouncing, although although I will caveat that goalkeepers can be lobbed and that can be any technique. It's, that's a, a, an, an odd crease in the footballing language. But I'm tempted to give this an exemption for the word finish because whilst... Whilst a finish really should be the end of a move and it should be a fairly scorable chance on you know in XG terms, I feel like this ticks all the other boxes. He saw where the goalkeeper was, he bent it round him, and it went in the goal. It's a finish. I quite like the idea. I'm I'm tempted to give it a one-off exemption. Ooh. Now, I, I would always, I would totally agree. In any, I mean, but that kind of goes for sort of twenty-five yard drives and things like that. But in this case, I think I, I, the principles are all the same. It's just the distance, and that feels like an arbitrary thing to care about in this particular instance. Yeah, it, I think if we start complaining about <laughs> arbitrary things to care about, then we're in some serious. <laughs> but welcome to the yeah. last episode of the <laughs> I think yeah, a, a finish uh, to me, a finish is either inside the box or if it's a one-on-one, then. And you know maybe you could class this as a one-on-one because the, I'm the, sort of bleeding the, the, there weren't there weren't many go, weren't many defenders between the Schick and the keeper. But, but, um, but I think this shows how sort of spectacular a goal it is in some ways that we're even having a debate that he makes it look like a finish that it isn't that he's made it look not just a sort of weird long-range 
kind of hoik. It is, it is in many ways. It's there's something so deliberate about it. I think that's what makes it quite special. Yeah. Also, can I just ask on finish? I've often wondered: Do you think a, fi- a good finish it has to go in to be classed as a finish? Or can you say it's actually a decent finish, but the keeper saved it? Oh, it's so complicated. I've been I've tried to explain this a lot recently. Um, I think I put this in the manifesto for the football language recently. But um, largely, yes, it has. I mean, a finish has to, has go, to in. go in because it is, it's finishing the move. And although you know, if shot goes wide, that isn't technically a finish. But you can talk about it in the absence of. So you know, the finish nearly came off, right. or it wasn't the finish he was looking for. So it's uh, always it's always in the absence of. But it, but it, but essentially, a miss cannot mm. be a finish. Even if the keeper sa- even if the keeper saves it, you mean, you mean it has to it has to be yeah, a goal. I'd say so. It's the same yeah. principle. So a finish is either a finish is either a goal or you're talking about the mm. intent. That's it. Yeah, fundamentally, ha- I think I think that's quite crucial. It has to be a hell of a save. Though. I think just as a, as a side um, side issue to uh, the finish thing, very on the very very rare occasions I find myself unfortunately um, in the presence of rugby when they talk about <laughs> finish it finishes for a try. What what's that? The guy is it's just a bloke running over a line. That's not a finish. I don't mind yeah. that. No? I don't mind it. I it kind of jars, but it's this it's more or less the same principle. It's it's mm. it's. It's taking the ball into the place where it needs to be, so I, I don't mind it so much. Um, I, I don't, I don't begrudge them that. It's fine. I begrudge them so much else, so it's, it's fine. Um, but other little elements of the Patrick shit goal, which I really enjoyed. Um, here's Charlie Adam on BBC Radio Five Live. Charlie saying the most inevitable thing we could possibly have heard about this goal. <laughs> Top class finish and then a world class goal. If that's Ronaldo, Messi, Lewandowski. Anybody else in the world will be talking about that for weeks to come. Right, let's yeah. as we always should. Let's break this down. Messi and Ronaldo always going to appear in this, always until they retire. Lewandowski is seems to be a kind of new mm. entry. If anything, that's heralded his entry into the highest echelon of, of football talent when you get included in. If it had been, oh, absolutely. And then to finish, then with. Or anyone else in the world. Yes, <laughs> it's, it work. it's kind of yes. directly contradicting that. I mean, I was thinking about that because clearly that it's misused here because it's such a spectacular goal. We are. It, I mean, it's actually he's right when he says anyone else in the world. This is a goal that could have been scored by anyone, and we'd be talking about it endlessly. I mean, it's not as if yeah. Schick is someone that we all uh, knew loads about coming into the tournament. So I was thinking, then, what is is there a goal where this would be uh, where that. Ronaldo or Messi had scored it would be legitimate. Like is, I can't, I can't think yeah, of a I mean, goal where if either of those two had scored it and no one else had done it, we would have talked about it for longer. I is it one? Is it like a? I don't know. A, a really nice finish that is just for them. You know, it looks very classy the way they've hit it. And if it was someone else, we might be like, nah, maybe he's fluked it. Do you know bit. what? I think I can. I think I can nail down this kind of um, this kind of presumed situation. Nick, a good example would have been during France versus Germany when Kylian Mbappe had that goal disallowed or he curled it into the corner. Now, in the grand scheme of goal scoring, it wasn't a great goal. Um, it, was a, it, it was a goal to grace a game like that, etc. But it wasn't, it wasn't a fantastic goal. It was, it was a very nice finish. And there were lots of tweets about, oh, you know, if, if I could relax the offside law for one goal, it would be this one. And uh, I feel like that, that might be the benchmark because if, if Patrick Schick had scored that, we wouldn't have been talking about it. We wouldn't have been saying, oh, I wish the offside law had been relaxed for this. So maybe that is the reverse phenomenon. Maybe we have nailed it. Yeah, I think that's it because th- th- that, that sort of very measured finish, can you can either just see it as a, you know, a one-off nice goal or you can see it as further confirmation of someone's burgeoning genius as it would have been for Mbappe. <laughs> um, but yeah, I 
I mean, they followed it up later on, Charlie, with it was a reasonably simple um, ball across for Benzema to finish. And he got the same treatment yeah, after it got disallowed for offside. This is nonsense. What's wrong with people? Romanticism took hold far too much there. Yeah, everyone lost their minds. It, it's, it was just offside. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> but, but that is that, that Mbappé, that is kind of what I'm talking about. I think that is a really good example because Italy's third goal against Turkey was really nicely worked. And then it's a brilliant finish into mm. the bottom corner that we did sort of characterise as ah, it's a sort of game-settling goal against Turkey, no big deal. Yeah. If that had been mm. Mbappe, Griezmann and Benzema combining, we probably would be mm. talking about this, well, evidence of the Holy Trinity and uh, yeah. look how good France are. So maybe that is, there is, well, I, I, there is something in this after all. I just I think... Not I, a goal I, from the halfway line. To give, no, definitely not. But part of me wants to give Charlie Adam credit for maybe kind of exploding this news. <laughs> Uh, by saying just at the end it would go or anyone. anybody else. I just I like to think he's in on it. He's definitely in on it. Anyway, elsewhere, Nick um, really enjoyed this. I mean, uh, this happens quite a lot on um, on live score apps. But there was a running commentary for Patrick Schick's goal, and it and it explained it thus: David Marshall is stranded way out of his goal after his team loses possession, and Patrick Schick (open brackets Czech Republic close brackets) has the simplest of tasks to shoot the ball into an empty net from distance. <laughs> I mean, it's not automated. I don't think anyone worked out the distance. Went, no, that's all right. It's not a tap in. Definitely not the simplest of tasks. I mean, what is the simplest of tasks? What are, what's the threshold? The simplest of tasks c- can also be described as it would have been um, harder to miss. The, I mean, but, within but, the six-yard box, would you say? Well, but the simplest of Open tasks goal. is 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 also kind of proportional to the player as well. So you know, this, oh really? Yeah, no, I think so. Really? Yeah, because okay. if, if if the simplest of tasks for you know Sergio Aguero is not the simplest of tasks for you know Linda Dykes, bless him. Um, <laughs> but oh yeah, that's true. So you know, he, he also in the kind of he was never going to miss from there kind of. Um, kind of thing as well but no Patrick shit that was not the simplest of tasks I think yeah, simplest of tasks though does often go hand in hand with a goalkeeping error because it's someone was left with the simplest of tasks so that will happen oh, yeah, after yeah. a goalkeeper say like come to clear it and completely missed his kick leaving so and so with the simplest of tasks or a superb assist yeah, the winger or the midfielder has yeah. done all the work oddly enough explaining the simplest of tasks was actually a moderately <laughs> difficult task Nick, I sometimes wonder in these situations that the quality of a goal scored at a major tournament is directly proportional to the number of different languages we get to hear the commentary in. Uh, I had to say in the research for this, this episode, it was the underwhelming number of languages I could find the commentary in. But I can offer you the perennial favourite of Arabic. <laughs> Now, Nick, whilst factoring in the natural hyperbole of Arabic language commentators, I've, I'm starting to think I've never, I've never seen a bad goal with Arabic commentary mm. over the top of it. I'd really like to see them commentate over the simplest of tasks. <laughs> well, the, the, but the, the the thing about them is that even when um, I think it was Jack Hendry, the Scottish player that took the shot, the, the guy was already at eleven for that. So mm. presumably, <laughs> presumably, if it was, if he was commentating on the simplest of tasks, then it would still be kind of you know sort of Martin Tyler commentating on that G goal kind of thing. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, maybe we should get them into the uh, into the intro of the podcast. But Charlie, I'm starting to wonder if the if the Arabic commentary world is starting to suffer from what I would diplomatically describe as the Drury effect. So they think they probably will be clipped up for social media at some point. So if Jack Hendry is shooting from 30 yards, well, better give it some just in case it flies into the top corner. Because yeah, never you'd be know. raging, wouldn't you, if that had gone in? And they were like, oh, they're using other novelty commentary for the uh, for the social media clips. Another sign of a sort of big moment like that is so-and-so moment is better with Celine Dion, my heart will go on, played over it. <laughs> and and I, I, I do wonder if that's been done for Patrick Schick. Uh, it's probably got the, the airborne duration for it, um, but, but it's not 2017. We shouldn't be doing that <laughs> so, uh, at all. Um, what, I, what, what I did quite like, uh, I'm not familiar with this guy's work, uh, Nick, but ESPN's Stephen A. Smith included it in his Ain't No Way segment, uh, which I will play for you in all its glory. This is a special one-play edition of Ain't No Way. You got to check this out right here. This is Czech Republic taking on Scotland at Euro 2020. Patrick Schick launches a shot from just inside half field, and the ball flies over David Marshall for the goal. Let's show that play again, please. Show it right there. I mean, kicking it from halfway down the field. Take another look. Marshall's way out of his goal, and Schick takes advantage for a second goal of the game. Czech Republic go on to win two to nothing. Ain't no way. A shot like that should happen, especially in Euro 2020. But it did. Maybe that's why Euro 2020 is just so special right now. It's on ESPN, by the way. We like that. <laughs> Nick, I mean, at, at this stage, it would be it would be remarkably easy for us to um, patronise our stateside friends for even talking about Euro 2020. But I, I, I enjoyed all of that, especially the point where he name checked David Marshall. That really gave it. That really gave it some. Like he really cares about this goal. And if he's talking about the 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 hapless goalkeeper who will never ever talk about ever again. Yeah, I mean, I'm always I'm kind of vaguely aware of Stephen A. Smith's work. Usually through people on my Twitter feed who follow American sports close more closely than I do, and I'm never sure whether their kind of dismissive tone because it often is quite a dismissive tone is either because. Uh, he's just a bit of a clown, or he's deeply problematic, which is a real kind of it's a it's a sort of oh okay it's an it's an absolute tightrope on uh, on mm. social media these days. But yeah, it's uh, mm. the, the, I mean my fa- I think my my favourite bit of that whole clip was the pronunciation of Scotland. Yeah, yeah, Scotland, which was just really really spat it out. I love that. I'm I'm also really curious to know why whether there was any meaning behind him saying. Ain't no way that should happen, especially at Euro 2020. Is there, is there a particular, mm. And then he said, and then what does he say? He's like, and that's why Euro 2020 is so crazy or something. So like, what, <laughs> yes. what is it about you? What's his, what's his view on Euro 2020 that's that's informed that? I don't know. Maybe he isn't familiar with the uh, pantheon of European Championship goals that have been scored in the past because the uh, Charlie it sparks the inevitable debate about whether it's the greatest goal ever scored at European Championships, which is fine. That's the natural news cycle. That's how things work. That's how football content works. And uh, take the BBC website, for example. They they trawled through your usual candidates. Marco van Basten in 1988. Davos Schuker, Paul Gascoigne in 1996. Jordan Shakiri and Hal Robson-Karno at 2016. But among the nominees was Antonin Penenka's penalty in 1972, which on a technical level I disagree with. Ain't no way that's one of the selections for the best ever European Championship goal because, and I'm into slightly dubious territory now, is a penalty scored in a shootout a goal? Yeah, in any meaningful sense, no. I can see why they did it, but yeah, it is... 
you're then getting into very strange ground. Although saying that, is are there any other penalties that could ever be included? Are there are there any penalties that are just so memorably I good? Can't. Kevin Pressman. No, I Kevin can't. Pressman. Great. Yes. Shout. Fucking hell. Yeah. Of course. Um, but you know, even on a non-ironic level, I, I don't think I could I could include any penalty. No. In, in such a conversation, but I just I think it's it's absolutely Pirlo Pirlo Euro twenty twelve on Joe Hart uh, was very amusing, yeah, but no, I mean I that, that, it absolutely shouldn't be. But now Nick, I'm worried. I mean, I might even have to consult the laws of the game, which I think will back me up. I don't think the word goal has ever been used to describe a penalty scored and shoot. I don't think anyone would ever use that word. So on that basis alone, we should discount mm. it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nick, I'm enjoying the coverage on TV of Euro 2020, but um, at some point during any tournament, you start to fear for our friends over at Sky Sports and Sky Sports News about being left out of the party. Um, but not necessarily, because Sky Sports are um, doing a lovely little series called The Boys of 96, where Mark McAdam attempts, and I'm quoting here, attempts to track down every member of England's Euro 96 squad, which I, the words track down, I feel quite strange. And the the idea of him going sort of cook report on Ian Walker saying, tell me about Euro 96. I, no, I don't want to. Don't close your car door on me, Ian Walker. Yeah, I'm picturing him kind of bursting through some tr- trees on a golf course to find Steve Stone. Yeah. <laughs> Steve he was Stone in the United Six squad. He was Steve. Steve Stone was in the United Six squad. He's uh, he's quite yeah. front and centre of the David Seaman getting mobbed after the uh, yeah. Spain mm-hmm. shootout, mm-hmm. and he's also weirdly prominent in the video in the Badil and Skinner Three Lines video. It's like Stone Fowler and one other. It's really bizarre. You would, if you were Steve Stone, you're going to milk it because you know you're not going to France '98. So Steve, I mean, yeah, you, you've got to be front and centre. Steve Stone as well in the friendlies. I remember really excelled. Do you remember England had those that kind of run of friendly, including the Higita Scorpion kick? I remember Stone coming in yeah. for a few of them and looking really good. There was there was quite a lot of buzz about Steve Stone around that time. I'm looking forward to that episode. Then now you've really picked it up. I <laughs> uh, just also just. Nick, maybe sort of Phil Neville ringing Mark McCannum up and saying, I, I, well, I was in the squad, <laughs> honestly. Because I mean, possibly the most... I mean, I thought Steve Stone was forgettable, but no, Phil Neville being in the squad really blew my mind. That is crazy, yeah. I also have a big issue with Mark McCannum's question. He says to Sol Campbell, Spice Girls were big in 96. Did anyone have Spice Girls? Now, Spice Girls wannabe came out after your 96, so there is no way <laughs> oh. that any of the players would have had Spice Girls. And... To quote Fabian Dell, I mean, it's basics. And what, they might have got a sort of Japanese import or yeah, something so, like that. You so, never know. Someone had a you pirate had copy. Access. Yeah, they might have had access to the to the studio, uh, I don't know, demos or something. You just don't know. You don't know, is what I'm saying. But are broadcasters, Nick, covering themselves in glory so far? I mean, how would you briefly summarise the, the perennial battle between BBC and ITV? Well, I mean, it's... 
it, it's almost a default that you go for BBC in this country. It's like mm. if there if there's a choice of the, the games being shown, not these days. No, God, no, exactly. The ITV are superb. They've they've um, they've got such, just a kind of wide range of uh, of, of people. And uh, although I did sort of express my dissatisfaction with Sky people being on um, yes. on 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 free free to air, which doesn't doesn't feel right somehow. I mean, ITV, of course, uh, have the benefit they're not bringing down Western civilization, so that's, <laughs> so then that's probably got their advantage over the BBC. But um, we'll get on to the Sky loanees in a, in a moment. But I worry about mundane, silly things like the studio design, Charlie. The BBC have have cleverly gone for a kind of venue specific kind of panoramas behind the pundits. Nice touch. Usually city squares that you might not recognise, but you have to assume that they are relevant. ITV have simply got. London underscore tower underscore bridge dot mp4 video file just playing on a loop. I don't know if it's live. I'll never find out. How am I supposed to know? Because like, I'm looking at cloud formations and I'm saying, well, that could be it could be the same day. I don't know. What if it rains? That's the only time I'm ever going to find out. But I, I do need to know. But I mean, but they the studios have gone mental. They are massive. They are really huge. I mean, they're airy at least. I mean, I was looking when we were watching those Euro 96 ones. I can't believe how dark mm. it was. They look. They're in this like sort of cramped room. It it really it should just be a box. Yeah, a box it, at a stadium. It, just it, yeah, it, yeah, very much. Yeah, it, it does look strange. But yeah, you. I mean, they. Mm. Yeah, I do. I think probably that BBC one is slightly better. Mm. But I was thinking as well on like the ITV BBC thing. I think we used to be, or a big part of us was programmed to watch BBC because it didn't have ads, and that was obviously a massive mm. advantage. But now yeah. I kind of feel people are so used to being able to entertain themselves during ad breaks, both through Sky, but also most people now second screen anyway when they watch football. You're so yeah. used to scrolling I through your phone right. on Twitter and ad break, it's it's less of an issue. And in a way, having like solid build-up uh, to get... You you almost quite like having an ad break, like, ah, oh, OK, well, I can sort of mm. flick on something else, or which is a kind of a reflection of our attention spans. But I think it's it's just less of an issue. Ads are less of an issue now than than they used to be. And you don't get that aspirational two minutes on the BBC where they're offering you forty thousand pounds just, just you know, just by by texting in. I mean, you just don't get that. Um, but Nick, let's pick up on their kind of their star signings. I might be speaking out of turn here, but Gary Neville on ITV. I feel like they've got the the Neville light package. Yeah, like that they couldn't quite afford the Sky ones. They said, and so he sent them a kind of list of like a menu of things he'll offer and said, "I'll give you so I'll give you your ninety six banter, <laughs> but I will, but." I'm not doing touchscreen. I'm not doing touchscreen stuff. There, there was a, there was a, just as a, a slight aside. There was a lovely moment last night where, where they were doing their standard Euro '96 banter. Any uh, Aluko said she had an Engl- the England shirt from there, and Neville tried to, you know, engage in a bit of badinage by saying, "Oh, did you have Neville on the back?" And she just said, "No." <laughs> it was it, it was superb. Quite right too. But yeah, I, I, I've 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 written a um, a very important piece for the Athletic about the the pundits yeah. and this, and I wrote exactly that about Gary Neville that he, he he's not you know he hasn't got the giant iPad, he hasn't got Jamie Carragher kind of egging him on. There are no the the, the sort of the surroundings are slightly less portentous, where he's not. Uh, being urged to say, you know, how important absolutely everything is, every possible mm. turn. So yeah, it, it does. It does feel like we've got the kind of, you know, uh, the, the relaxed Neville rather than the kind of attack the day Neville. Um, <laughs> yes. that you, yeah, it's a, bit, it's a bit weird seeing him sort of yeah loosen it all a bit and and not 
and not talk about every team as if their you know their entire prospects are on the line and and as though he's kind of personally affronted by you know the attitude shown oh, by yeah. these Burnley players or whoever it is. He, he did. I can't remember who it was, but he did describe someone's defence as like a team of nine-year-olds, though. So they, they do th- those moments do kind of just poke. As through Adam every said, that's one of the things he will do. He, he's yeah. happy to do that. That that's on his list of sort of okay. But yeah, yes, um, it, I mean, it does almost feel like one of those players who, for their international team, it's just you know it's a slightly different setup. We've seen it with so many players over the years, haven't we? That it doesn't quite. Um, yeah, it doesn't quite click. I also, I just want, on, on the pundits, I know this is probably an, an unpopular opinion, but I'm a, I'm a big Ali McCoy's fan, and I was really looking forward to, when, when I heard him at the start of the game yesterday, I was really looking forward to it. But I actually felt he was a bit negative yesterday, and I, and I, I almost wonder if he, it was too big a game in some senses. Oh, I was about well, to say, I thought you, you might I, say I don't that. mean too big a game. I think he was trying too hard. I, I think it's almost as if he, his enthusiasm... It, maybe it's that when he's doing Wolves v Southampton or something and he's absolutely purring about Danny Ings and mm. Stuart Armstrong mm. and it's genuine because he, he is really excited by them. I don't know, then when it's like Mbappe, Benzema, I, I don't know, it just felt like he was a bit, he felt a bit let down by some of them and by and by their antics. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, it just, it didn't feel like quite the right level for someone who I, who normally is one of my favourite commentators to listen to no fair enough fair enough indeed um um further afield on a final point on punditry we may have to revisit this in a future episode because um in richard key's latest blog charlie which i know you follow um where he uh, he described as the events in copenhagen last weekend as the football's 9 11 mm. uh which which i thought was well, just very richard keys but um he he talks about rude hullet being in his guest in the be in studio and that made me and that made you message me to make a mental note that we need to do a pure be in sports pundits 11 at some point because it's a very it's a very it's... specific strata of of footballer so we'll definitely talk about that in the coming yeah. months um uh, because that's that's for the real that's for the real pure that will be amazing yeah i mean because yeah. yeah i mean hullet is just so so be in isn't it yeah there is i mean I, I let... post dreadlocks hullet yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Know, dreadlocked Hullet is BBC. Post-dreadlocked Hullet, B in sport. Um, but yeah, um, well, we've, we've covered so much today. So much so much technical stuff that we've nailed down. I'm glad we covered the fixtures as well because we'd never, never like to see those go overshadowed during a tournament. Well, delighted to entertain you, Nick. And delighted, Charlie, that you made the tricky, made the short trip over the internet to join us today from your in-laws. Um, both both on top form and... Um, very pleased that we nailed down all those technical points today. I'm going to leave you with an extended outro today, following on from the last episode of Clichés, where we revealed that David Seaman chuckled 131 <laughs> times on the first episode of his podcast, Seaman Says. Mikey Anderson wrote in and said, uh, read David Seaman's chuckles. He went to the same school as the actual Chuckle Brothers, Thorpe Hesley Junior School. So a high XCH is to be expected. We were forever being told one or the others would turn up to the summer fate. Never happened. <laughs> I can see Seaman at a summer fate. More so than the uh, now, sadly, halved Chuckle Brothers. Um, but um, I, having alluded to it last week about how chuckly Seaman's podcast is, with great affection, I took the liberty of editing his latest podcast down to only the Chuckles. <laughs> So here, everybody, to play us out is two minutes and 20 seconds of David Seaman chuckling on his podcast. <laughs> it was interesting. <laughs> <Before he comes. laughs>
I was actually filling a skip up last night. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> but <laughs> they're drunk when you get them. <laughs> Ponytail. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> How you been? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I love Yo, that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, Chico. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, everybody, see you next week. The Athletic. <laughs>